This is BoroughCast from Scarborough Borough Council. Hello and thanks for streaming or downloading this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is BoroughCast with Gabrielle Janzio and Andy Carter. As we record this episode at the end of February, spring is around the corner. The days seem to be getting longer and daffodils and crocuses are evident on some grass banks. However, that means time is running out for us as your borough council. From the 1st of April, North Yorkshire Council will come into being and we will be consigned to the history books after 49 years serving the borough. We'll tell you more about that shortly. Here's the other stuff we're covering this month, an extension to our scheme to improve the quality of rented homes in Scarborough. Your chance to comment on school merger plans in Whitby, £20,000 given to good causes, and we'll tell you who, or perhaps it should be what, has been spotted in Iceland. And no, we're not talking about the supermarket. That is February's Boroughcast from Scarborough Borough Council. But first, after months of work, stakeholder feedback and consultation with thousands of residents, our vision for Filey document will be considered by our senior councillors next month. We set aside £1 million for Filey when it wasn't selected to be part of the government's Towns Fund initiative. We started our work to develop the vision for the town 18 months ago. In 2021, we asked residents where and how money should be spent in Filey for the next 10 years. Hundreds of people replied in what was one of our most successful consultations with three broad themes emerging. Then there was further engagement taking place online, in person and at several events. Feedback from those sessions focused on what could be done to provide more support for young and old people and to improve the quality of their lives. Residents also told us that there should be more support for businesses and they identified a need to better manage and improve the experience of visitors. The vision will be a 10-year plan for Filey, which is locally owned and reflects all aspects of the community, its needs and desires. We were really pleased to be able to work in partnership with Filey Town Council on this important initiative for the town. The final vision will be presented to a meeting of our Cabinet on the 14th of March. And we'll have more on the vision in next month's episode of Boroughcast once our councillors have had the chance to discuss it and agree the way forward. Next, our transformative plans for Scarborough's West Pier and Harbour moved a step forward this month. At their meeting on the 14th of February, senior councillors who form our Cabinet agreed to release an additional £4 million into the project budget. They also gave permission for bids to two investment funds, totalling £5.5 million. That money has the potential to unlock spending elsewhere. We have exciting plans for West Pier. It's one of our town's deal projects, and we've secured money from government to pay for its improvement. We want to provide modern, fit-for-purpose facilities for the fishing industry, as well as hospitality and retail opportunities, and create a quality environment with a new public space. Our ambition is for West Pier to be a place where people will choose to visit and spend money. Sadly, the Cabinet meeting to discuss the project was interrupted by shouting and disruption from the public gallery, and the meeting was adjourned for a short time. We've also been told about claims of bullying and alleged intimidation faced by people and businesses who support the West Pier upgrade. 
We spoke to the leader of our council, Steve Siddons, about this on our sister podcast, In Conversation With, and asked him why he thought the scheme had created polarising views. It's difficult to know. This project has been well-trailed over the last 18 months or so, and we've held more public consultations and private conversations with individuals than any other project that we've done, and, uh, and that's a public record. But for some reason, there's a relatively small group of people who are completely against the project and seem to want to things to stay just as they are. Now, given the fact that the buildings and the whole of the West Pier is in a pretty poor state of repair, um, caused by many years of, of underfunding, that uh, it's difficult to understand why, why they feel like that. They've obviously got their own reasons for that, but it doesn't really fit with what we're trying to do to improve the lives of those people who use that facility and the wider community in Scarborough and visitors. That was Councillor Steve Siddons, and you can hear a longer clip of Steve talking about the issue of West Pier and reacting to those claims of bullying, abuse and intimidation on our sister podcast, In Conversation With. We've put a link to this month's episode of In Conversation With in the show notes for this podcast. Some years in brief now, a consultation is underway over plans to merge two schools in Whitby. Falling pupil numbers and financial pressures have prompted a proposal to bring together Eskdale School and Cadman College. If the plan goes ahead, Eskdale School would close with staff and students moving to Cadman College. It would become a single school from 1st of September next year. North Yorkshire County Council, which currently has responsibility for schools in our borough, wants feedback on the merger proposal. An online consultation runs until the 31st of March and we encourage you to take part if you are affected by the merger plan. You'll find the link in the show notes for this podcast. Bills are unwanted most of the time, not least when there is a cost of living crisis. So here is some advance warning that council tax notices will begin to arrive on your doormat soon. Your council tax pays for hundreds of local services in your community, including the police, the fire and rescue service and any parish or town council where you live. This year's bills will arrive from North Yorkshire Council. That's the name of the new unitary authority coming into being on the 1st of April. The cost of your local council services will rise by just under 5% for 23-24. It's made up of a 2.99% general increase and a 2% rise specifically to pay for adult social care services. It means the average band D home in our borough will pay almost 1000 £760 this coming year. Separately and on top, the Police, Fire and Crime Commissioner has set a 1.99% increase for the element of council tax, which covers the cost of the police and the fire and rescue service. Now, if you or someone you know is struggling with the current cost of living crisis, there is help and support available across the borough. We've created a page on our website with all the information sources you'll need, and we've linked to that in the show notes. Spring is around the corner, and if you have a garden, you might be eager to get outside to tend to your plants or at least tidy up from winter. 
If that's the case, then you can save yourself a little trip to the tip this year by subscribing to our garden waste collection service. Until the 31st of March, the cost is £38, but it will rise to £43.50 from April. Fortnightly garden waste collections will take place through to the 1st of December. To sign up for the first time or to renew your licence if you are a previous subscriber, please visit the Garden Waste page on our website. You've guessed it, there's a link to that in the show notes. You're listening to Berrocast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council with Andy Carter and Gabrielle Janzio. We've unveiled plans to continue with the scheme to boost the standard of private rented accommodation in two areas of Scarborough. It's called selective licensing and allows us to work with landlords to ensure the homes they rent out meet minimum standards and gives us the power to insist any necessary repairs or improvements are carried out. We inspected 960 properties and uncovered 850 serious hazards which required immediate attention and almost 5,000 other faults or issues of concern. Most of the issues we found have since been put right and overall we think the scheme has been a success and has gone some way to improving the quality of homes people are paying to rent. We'd like to continue with the selective licensing scheme and our senior councillors have given us permission to begin a public consultation. John Burrows is from our housing team and joins us on the podcast to tell us more. Hello, John. Hello, Gabrielle. What's the point of the scheme, please? What we want to do is to try and improve property conditions, management standards within the private rented sector. There's specific sort of government guidance around doing so. So it's not something that ourselves or any other local authority can just apply on a whim to to private rented properties. We've got to have that clear justification via via the clear government guidance to undertake that. And so in relation to the inspections that you actually carry out on the properties, why do those take place? What's so important about them? Well, we're inspecting in terms of what are the licensing conditions for private rented properties? So we set a a range of licensing conditions. Some of them are mandatory and examples being around carbon monoxide detectors, around having proper tenancy agreements placed. And then there's a range of discretionary conditions and they relate to stuff around perhaps fire safety, antisocial behaviour. So there's about 17 to 18 conditions in total. Inspections are very, very important. Normally, if you don't have a licensing scheme, the only way you tend to end up inspection of, uh, inspecting a property is reactively. So addressing in relation to a complaint or a service request that's been received from a tenant or another party on behalf of the tenant. With, lic- with inspections of license, selective licensing properties, you're doing it proactively. So you're actually going in, arranging the inspections, and it's part of the actual selective licensing designation. So what you're doing is proactively picking up any issues, whether it's to do with the licensing conditions, whether it's to do with the repair, disrepair of properties, and also identifying any sort of particular hazards that need addressing. And how, and crucially also, how the property is being managed by the landlord or the agent or manager, whoever's on behalf of the the wider landlord. 
some of the serious faults that you perhaps found during the inspections, did they surprise you and the team or, or is it perhaps some of the things you'd expect on some properties? I think it's a lot of it is is very similar to what we've seen when we've done reactive inspections in the past. It, things don't come as great surprise. Um, the team as a whole, our res residential regulation team, have been dealing with properties in the centre of Scarborough for quite a number of years. So they've always picked on the similar sort of issues. Things that we have tended to pick up were quite interesting, lack of tenancy agreements in some places. So there's a lot of lack of protection there uh, for, for the tenant. So it puts them at risk of, of, you know, potentially eviction as a result. We've picked up on a range of other things. I mean, what one of the things that we do require as part of the license and application is that safety certificate. It's one of the mandatory conditions. And I recall one of my colleagues saying quite recently, discussing with a landlord about what you need to have with your application. She mentioned gas safety certificate. Can you send that in? He said, what's that? In terms of continuing with selective licensing, you've, you've explained that it's in certain areas already. What are the kind of future ambitions for expanding the scheme? What we're doing at the moment, uh, we're looking at renewing what were the first two areas that were designated, which is around Scarborough Town and the centre and surrounding areas. As part of the business case we're working up, you may be aware that there's been recent census data published. So yes. it's enabled us to look not just at what was designated before, but look at the surrounding area as well. Are there streets within it that may now be come under a set? selective license and designation and it's quite interesting because what's happened obviously in the private rented sector it's still continued to expand over the last sort of 10 years but the market is changing a lot and it's interesting we're seeing some of the surrounding streets where there's been a there's been quite a sharp increase in the in the proportion of private rented properties there we also need to look at other parts of the existing borough so as part of this whole exercise, we're looking at other parts of the borough and just to see is a justification for selective license in there. And I think really going on in the future as well, we're going to do a bit of an exercise of looking across the wider North Yorkshire. Are there, are there areas, locations there which may require some other form of targeted intervention? The likelihood is possibly not. We don't think there are areas in the rest of North Yorkshire that have some of the same issues or same concentration of private rented properties as within the centre of Scarborough. But we still need to do that exercise. We still need to get that further understanding. So that that's that's a piece of work going forward uh, once the new authorities comes into being. Excellent. Thank you for that, John. And thanks for joining us on Boroughcast this month. Thank you. You're listening to Boroughcast. A podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Senior North Yorkshire councillors have approved a plan which will set out how the new unitary authority for our county will work when it comes into being. A vote to adopt the document was taken at a meeting of North Yorkshire County Council's full council this month, February. The plan covers the period until 2027 and has the themes of place and environment, the economy, health and well-being 
people and organization. It's promising more affordable homes, environmentally friendly projects such as reducing waste, improving public transport and boosting our health and well-being. The plan was developed after a county-wide consultation called Let's Talk, which had thousands of responses online and at face-to-face events. Now, we asked to interview the leader of the county council, Carl Les, to tell us more about the plan and the creation of the single authority for North Yorkshire, but we were surprised that we were turned down. So instead, here's David Chance, the county councillor responsible for corporate services, introducing the plan at a meeting of the council's executive in January. And here's a bit of advance warning. The audio quality from this meeting is rather poor. It sets out the council's vision, ambitions and priorities over the next four years. And this is the plan for the new North Yorkshire Council. Council plan is a live document and will be refreshed annually. Plan includes an introduction to the new unitary authority and how it will deliver services locally, our equality objectives, and how we will measure performance. Plan has been developed by officers from all eight councils, and the findings from the Let's Talk campaign have been used to inform ambitions and priorities in the plan. An early draft was considered by corporate partnerships overview and scrutiny committee. The later full draft was shared uh, for comments uh, invited from all county councillors. Council must demonstrate that it pays due regard in developing its policies to the need to eliminate discrimination, advance equality of opportunity, and foster good relations between different people. The report includes a full equity, uh, equality impact assessment and a climate change impact assessment. The council plan has been developed in the context of a public sector financial restraint and unprecedented service demand pressures. The pandemic and inflation have only exacerbated this. And we know that the long-term financial position remains uncertain. Anticipated impacts of our ambitions and priorities are positive ones. Due regard to equalities and climate change will be paid when making decisions uh, on actions to realise the ambitions and priorities where appropriate, and these will be subject to full assessments. Council plan uh, is developed along uh, five key themes, place and environment, economy, health and wellbeing, people and organisations. That was Councillor David Chance. You can read the corporate plan for the new Unitary Council on the County Council website. And yes, we've added a link to the document in the show notes. The same group of councillors who approve the plan will oversee its implementation when North Yorkshire County Council transitions to become the new Unitary Authority on the 1st of April. You're listening to BoroughCast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Friday the 24th of February was the first anniversary of Russia's illegal war against Ukraine. We marked the sad occasion by flying the Ukrainian flag above Town Hall in Scarborough to show solidarity with everyone affected by the invasion. We also observed the National Minute's silence and several events took place. There is a growing community of Ukrainian people in our borough who are being supported and looked after thanks to the amazing generosity of many local people, good causes and businesses. Last year, our councillors from right across the political spectrum signed a statement of solidarity with the people of Ukraine after the issue was raised at a meeting of our full council. One year on from Russia's invasion, we continue to stand shoulder to shoulder with the people of Ukraine. Here's our leader, Councillor Steve Siddons, with his reflections after 12 months of war. 
I didn't expect it to go on that long. Uh, I don't think anybody did. It's hard to believe that it's a year. And uh, if you listen to some commentators, they say that we could still be out in that, this situation in a year's time. Ultimately, and it's a personal view, you don't get anywhere by fighting. You have to, at some point, sit down and agree on a course of action. And I think, ultimately, that will happen. It has to happen. But how many more lives will be lost before it does happen? So my hope is that that happens sooner rather than later. But when you see what's gone on in this last few days um, as the anniversary approaches, uh, there seems to be no appetite for that at the moment, which is, which is very worrying and concerning. Next, we've paid out more than £20,000 to good causes right across the borough. The annual Mayor's Community Fund cheque presentations took place earlier this month. It was a bittersweet occasion as the fund will come to an end in just a few weeks' time when we cease to exist as your borough council. The final cheques have been given to 32 charitable organisations, allowing them to continue the vital work they do every day to make a difference to hundreds of people's lives. The Mayor's Community Fund has been running for many years and supports good causes that would otherwise struggle to get funding through mainstream routes. Andy spoke to the Borough Mayor, Councillor Eric Broadbent, on the day of the presentations. The Mayor has a charity fund which we we sort of all year round during my uh, year as Mayor, we, we, we have functions and we collect money for, for, for local charities and we've raised a, a significant amount of money and this morning we've chosen the beneficiaries who are going to receive a little check and I say a little check some of it is, is quite a substantial check and it's for their hard work and local charity to support everybody in the borough. It must be great when we get to today where you're actually handing out that money to these good causes it must be really special for you. Oh it's it's amazing I mean there's so much hard work done not by myself so much uh, there's, there's the mayoress uh, the mayoress works very hard uh, there's the leader's wife who was excellent and, and she's more or less got good contacts with uh, different charities and there's a lot of work done behind the scenes which people don't see and, and the money keeps coming in from different organisations and everybody has been so really kind this year and we've raised this amazing amount of money. Why do you think the Mayor's Fund is important uh, and, and why do you place so much importance on it yourself in your role? Simply because the, the Mayor of the Borough of Scarborough is the focal point. Uh, it's not so much myself as a councillor, it's the role of the Mayor and it's an historical role and the public are very much appreciated of that role. Uh, I get so much pleasure when I go to a function and, and I meet uh, local people, local residents and especially sometimes going to schools and the children are in awe of the mayor. They can't believe they've talked to the mayor. So it, it's really, it's a figurehead and it's a very important one because it's the, the history of our borough. Unfortunately, this is, I'll be the last borough mayor, I'm sure most people are aware, as we are changing into a, a unitary authority. So all the districts will be uh, merged into one, into a, a large unitary authority. So I'll be the last borough mayor, but the position of mayor will carry on um, in the future, but it won't be a borough mayor, it'll be a town mayor, like Filey has a town mayor and Whitby has a town mayor. 
So is it fair to say a tiny bit of tinge of sadness today that this is the last time this event will happen in this form to hand this money to the good causes? Uh, very much so. Um, it, it, it is a sad day and you're quite, you're quite right. Um, there's a lot of things that normally happen won't happen again. Um, it, it's, it is sad, and, uh, but I think any change has got to be welcomed. The change is for the good of the residents of our borough and I believe that we'll move forward and life will go on and hopefully better for everybody. Wiley got its very own giant seal sculpture this month, which doubles as a recycling depository for empty drinks, cans and plastic bottles. The metalwork sculpture of a seal, now affectionately named Bonzo, is designed to encourage beachgoers and visitors to recycle disposable drink containers. Bonzo, and you can't miss him, is in a prominent position on the promenade at the bottom of Cargate Hill, next to the Victorian water fountain. He looks out towards the magnificent Filey Brig. We led the commissioning and installation of Bonzo in partnership with Filey Town Council. The sculpture has been funded by our Project Sunshine scheme, which aims to tidy up and improve areas of public realm throughout our borough. We end this month's episode by continuing the mammal theme. We are very excited to report that Thor the walrus has been spotted this time in Iceland, and that's the country, not the supermarket. Thor famously turned up in Scarborough Harbour on New Year's Eve, which meant we cancelled our annual firework display in case he was disturbed. That decision created interest around the world and we dedicated part of last month's Burrowcast to the coverage. Thor has now been spotted in a small fishing village in East Iceland, having travelled more than 800 miles from our waters to get there. Experts from British Divers Marine Life Rescue have been monitoring the animal's journey. M. Mayman is from the charity and I asked her what was known about Thor's trip north. As far as we know, he's been out there somewhere of course he went from Scarborough he ended up in Blythe for a little while up in uh, Northumberland um, and then he just disappeared we were hoping of course that he was going to be heading north and not heading back south again which luckily it seems that he has or if he did go south we just didn't happen to spot him anywhere so of course he's been out and about somewhere for the last little while and of course now he turned up in Iceland. Um, as far as I know, there haven't been any sightings of him since Blythe. If there have been, they've been kept reasonably quiet, which of course is a good thing. Um, so all we can hope is that he's been out there feeding and getting a bit more energy about himself and then hopefully he's feeling a bit better now he's in Iceland. Tell me what you've been doing to make sure that the Thor who was in Scarborough is the Thor we think is now in Iceland. I saw some pictures online where I understand the process is you compare distinctive markings on his on his body. Is, is that how, it, how you can be sure or fairly sure that we're talking about the same walrus? When he appeared in Southampton, we were able to get a good catalogue of images, mainly from his underside and the front flippers because they do have quite a few scars and distinctive markings on them. So then when he appeared again in Scarborough, we were able to get a really, really good catalogue of images. One of our medics has got a really good camera and she was able to get some really nice close-ups of these scars and some of the markings. And then we can get a bit of a rough idea as to their overall self, the length of the tusks and things like that. So now that he's then sort of continued his journey he's gone off to 
Blythe, of course, now he's in Iceland, we've been able to compare all the photographs from every single stage of his journey and being able to compare and say, yes, this is definitely the same one. It just isn't one that looks vaguely similar. Um, so, yeah, so, so far the ID process has been pretty straightforward thanks to people having good cameras. Fantastic. M. Maiman from British Divers Marine Life Rescue, thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for this edition of BorougHcast. Before we go, here's a reminder that our next episode will be published towards the end of March. And very sadly, it'll be the last BorougHcast we will produce, in this format anyway. As you will be aware, we, Scarborough Borough Council, will not exist in just a few weeks. A single, unitary authority will assume responsibility for all council services across North Yorkshire from the 1st of April. It hasn't yet said whether initiatives like this, podcasting, will be part of its communication mix. In the meantime, you shouldn't miss our final March episode if you listen to us via your preferred podcasting hosting service. Search for Podcast from Scarborough Council and then follow or subscribe so you are notified when we post new content. So thank you for listening from Gabrielle. Goodbye. And from me, Andy. Goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk.